education a fundamental foundation for any country, state, or nation. Education, a thick line between right and wrong, a ladder that takes us to the height where we belong. Education, mother of all profession, that helps us acquire all our possession. Education is our right, for in it our future is bright. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we have counsel on raising our children. It is clear that our faith in God is to be talked about and that it includes not only when we're sitting down, but when we're walking along the road, when we lie down, when we get up. God wants us to share our faith. Mark Holman in his book, Building Faith at Home, states, most Christian parents do not believe they are doing a good job at facilitating, facilitating the spiritual development of their children. He goes on to support this statement with a survey that was taken to show how weak we are in communicating our faith. 12% of our youth have regular dialogue with their mother on faith and life issues. 5% of our youth have regular dialogue with their father on faith and life issues. 9% of our youth have experienced regular reading of the Bible and devotions in the home. When the survey is turned around and stated in the positive, we can say 88% of the youth do not dialogue with their moms or faith on faith issues. 95% of youth do not dialogue with their dads on faith issues. 91% of youth do not have regular Bible and devotions in their homes. This is a very sad statement. How can our faith be passed along to our children if it's never talked about? Now, sometimes more is caught than taught. Although, why aren't we talking about the Lord and the Savior? Are we ashamed of him? In 605 B.C. Babylon, a superpower led by King Nebuchadnezzar came against the nation of Judah. Daniel 1 verse 2 says, The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. He took approximately 10,000 professionals back with him. They were the bright students and the professional class of the nation. They were wise and intelligent individuals of the land. Nebuchadnezzar took professionals back to Babylon because he wanted them to make them fit into his nation, into his empire building, and to Babylonize them. Babylon was a superior civilization. And when the young professionals were educated in the culture, their eyes would be opened. Even though Babylon had many gods and Israel had only one, the students would soon learn to accept and embrace the new and better ways of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar would destroy the biblical worldview of the whole professional class of Israel. 
and those professionals would bring back the new and better ideas to their own people. Daniel stands as a testimony that regardless of the pressure of the world, we can stand up for what we believe. When it came to eating the king's food, we hear Daniel resolve not to defile himself. Daniel 1.8. When it came to bowing down to the golden image that the king had set up, we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply to the king, We will not serve your gods, nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. They were willing to stand up for what they believed in, even to the point of death. For these men, their initial training was in Jerusalem. They were probably 12 to 14 years of age when they were transplanted. In today's terms, let's suppose that our 12 to 14-year-old individuals here in our church were pulled out of this country and sent to Saudi Arabia to enter their educational system and to be taught the Quran. The question is whether our 12 to 14-year-olds would be able to hold their faith in the midst of the pressure of that culture. Would you still give allegiance to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or would you be bitter because you were torn from home, family, and friends, and you would reject the faith of your fathers? Would you continue to pray and be able to articulate your faith in God and in the Bible, in that culture? This is what Daniel experienced in his time. Education is building an infrastructure in the lives of our children. This is very important. God says, these are commandments God directed me to teach you so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord as long as you live. Deuteronomy verses 1 and 2, or chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. These commandments are to be upon your hearts. Impress on them your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. Teaching our children the commands of the Lord, our Lord is clearly the responsibility of parents. As parents, we are blessed by having options to help us train our children. The options available are public schools, home schools, Christian schools, but regardless of what option we choose, God's commandment to teach our children in his ways applies to all of us. There is no more profound duty of any parent, the training of a child in heavenly ways. We have this instruction from Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. But mark this, there will be Terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power, having nothing to do, have nothing to do with such people. 
They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over your household, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because in the case of these men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Paul describes in this passage the deterioration of moral values in the end times. He started by saying, mark this, to emphasize the opposition to the truth of God's word. It is not passing a passing situation, but a permanent characteristic of the age. The phrase last days here refers not to the immediate days preceding the end when Christ would come, but also it refers to the period that commences from when Jesus Christ first arrived until his second coming. What is fundamentally wrong with these people is that love is misdirected. Instead of being lovers of God, they are lovers of self, money, and pleasure. Some of these negative values refer to family life, especially to the attitude with some young people adopt towards their parents and being disobedient and ungrateful. It is a wonderful blessing that the gospel offers a radical solution to this problem. For only the gospel promises a new birth, a new creation, which involves being turned inside out from being turned from self to unself, a reorientation of the mind and conduct, which makes us fundamentally God-centered inside. We need the word of God to provide us control, and safety as we navigate life. We need to strengthen our grip on the truth of God's word. We need to immerse our hearts and minds to the life-changing truth in God's word. We need to include every member of our family in this undertaking so that they would not be overwhelmed by the deteriorating moral values of our time. In stark contrast to the contemporary decline in morals, empty show of religion, and spreading of false teaching, we are called to be different, and if necessary, to stand alone, guided by God's word. It is obvious that the pressures upon us to conform are colossal, not only from direct challenge to traditional beliefs and morals, but from the pervasive atmosphere of secularism, which is seeping even into our churches. The godly arose, and the antagonism of the world was, directly, was directed against them. Where do we get the strength to resist these pressures? As we immerse ourselves in God's word, we would develop inner strength and convictions that would enable us to counteract and endure the extreme immoral pleasures. Indirectly, Paul encouraged Timothy to imitate his example of faith, patience, love, 
and endurance. He wanted us to gather our strength together by following the example of others and to find encouragement and faithfulness of other believers based on God's word. We see from Paul's example that he wanted an authentic teacher. You know those whom you learned it, he says to Timothy. Aside from the Apostle Paul, Timothy's strong and deep convictions on the principles revealed in God's word is the result of the faithful teachers in his life, his mother and his grandmother. These women invested their time and effort for the spiritual development of their children. Biblically speaking, the primary duties to educate of education to our children belongs in our homes. We home we homeschool them for academics. Why cannot we homeschool them for spiritual values? Our church supplements this responsibility by supplying our school, our children's classrooms. But we need also the parents at home training. But I think in some ways there is even a greater need in our church today. And I'm not talking about the church in broad terms. I'm talking about here at home in Tallahassee. We need teachers who are dedicated and disciplined in the study of God's word. Teaching of God's word is a mission given by God which arms and transforms our society one person at a time. When we teach God's word, whether adult or children, let us realize that we are instilling life core values that would enable the person to navigate the storms of life. Paul points out that there was a long-term educational plan, how from infancy we are trained. Note that Timothy's educational program is not just from pre-K through college. It is way beyond his formal education time frame. He, Paul stresses the curriculum, makes you wise for salvation. He recognizes the authority and functioning of God's word. All scriptures is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All scripture is inspired by God. It was breathed out by God. It was brought into existence by the breath or spirit of God. Thus, it is authoritative, authoritative word of God. In addition to its authority, Timothy also recognized the functionality of God's word as useful. God's word is not for profit, but it is, it is profitable to be used for several things. First, teaching. It re represents the didact or the nurturing function that includes both the task of teaching and its contents. It also means teaching the true doctrine. Second, rebuking. Apologetic function, or in other words, defining the faith from error and defending it from false doctrines, thus reproaching someone for doing something that is wrong. Third, for correcting, 
It denotes restoration to a better state, with the implication there is some correction or fault that needs to be straightened up, correcting people when they do wrong. Fourth, training. Discipline or punishment, but not in the context it reverts to providing in, in criticizing, but in providing instruction to produce proper behavior. And fifth, the result. So that the man of God will be fully adequate and sufficient for the task of good works. So to add the practical nature of this, what is it we can do? First, be a teacher, volunteer. Don't delegate this crucial task to others. Material things come and go, but moral values and ethics are internal. Our church has four children's classrooms, but at this time, we do not have anyone that's leading out in those areas. Do we put our children first? Or would we rather just sit and listen to someone read the week's adult lesson? We need teachers and individuals who are willing to prepare even if no one comes. To prepare to teach our children and those children will find someone or something else to teach them if we are not there. I am praying that the Holy Spirit will work on church members who want to train our children in the crater roll, kindergarten, and primary classes. Second, never stop teaching. No one is ever too old to give counsel or advice to our children. Our children are the future of our church, and we have the wisdom of age. By sharing our knowledge and experience, we will make this a better church. We will make this church stand fast against the pressures of the world. A teacher is walking with his students down a valley. On one side, we paint the picture of steep, rocky slides. It is barren. There's no plant life. There's no trees. There's nothing there. And on the other side of this valley, we see lush green vines and vineyards. We see terraced platforms and abundant growth. A student asks, teacher, the same rain falls on both sides of this valley. The same sunshine signs on both sides of this valley. Why is this one side so lush with terrace and vineyards? The teacher paused for a moment and looked at the students and then replied, Long ago, the valley was barren on both sides. Then a man came, and he began to take rocks and push them into places that would hold the soil and to hold back against the erosion. He showed other men how to build terraces. Behind this man came another man who showed how to plant vineyards and how to maintain that vineyard against whatever came. Soon, 
More terraces were built from that instruction. More vineyards were planted. And that is why you see what you see today. And like this story, we want to create those terraces, those places where roots can grow, where foundation is firm, and our children will learn against the pressures of the world. Third, we want to make God's word the final word and commit to trust the Lord. We remember so many great examples from the Bible of people who were uprooted out of their own environments, placed in other environments, of Joseph, Moses, Samuel, Daniel, Timothy, prophets. In fact, the whole Bible teaches us we have to make God's word first and final. Everywhere where we are, at home, at school, at college, at play, at work, God's word is the final word. Above all other books, God's word must be our study, the greatest textbook and the basis of our education. In Proverbs 2.6 we read, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Therefore, if you want to gain knowledge and understanding, get it from God's mouth. Get it from God's school. It is my fervent prayer that we enroll today in the university of God and become qualified with the qualification that will do justice in eternity. This is my prayer in Jesus' name.